I'm going to read to you this morning out of the book of Acts. We're going to read in Acts 16. Before I begin, I want to give you a little understanding about the book of Acts. There's three things that happened in the book of Acts. Jesus dies on the cross, he raises from the dead, and he ascends to heaven. So the very first thing that happens in the book of Acts is Jesus goes up. The second thing that happens is the Holy Spirit comes down. Now, Kurt spent the last couple of weeks talking about that if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what happens in the book of Acts? Jesus goes up, the Holy Spirit comes down, and the believers went out. The Bible says that we're supposed to go into all the world, but let me bring that down more personal to you and I. Listen, Jesus Christ paid for our sin, ascended to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us, and now what are you and I supposed to do? We're supposed to go into our world. That's what's supposed to happen every single day. You're supposed to bring the hope of Jesus Christ. Listen, we're at Vicky's dad, and you know what we did? We brought the hope of Jesus Christ into his home. So I'm going to read you an amazing story this morning, and it's in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, and it starts with verse 16. So let me read you this story. You're going to love this story, and then I'm going to talk to you about it. It says in verse 16, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, a certain slave girl was possessed with a spirit of divination, met us. Now, she, another way to put that was she had a familiar spirit. She's possessed with a familiar spirit, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, I love that, turned and said to the Spirit, he didn't talk to the girl, he talked to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. They brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs where they're not lawful for us. They're Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison and commanded the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. The keeper of the prison, the guard, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, and he said, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. He called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, What must I do to be saved? Let me read it to you again. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately and all of his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. I love that story. Paul and Silas are being followed by a young slave girl. She's demon-possessed. And as she follows them, she cries out, these men are from the Most High God, and you should listen to them. Two interesting things. The devils always knew who Jesus was. Anytime Jesus encountered a demon, they always knew who he was. The religious leaders didn't always recognize him, but the demons always recognized him. The demon inside this girl recognized who they were. Now, let me just stop for a second and tell you something. This girl had a demon. It's called a familiar spirit. Listen, if you ever decide you want to go get your fortune told, two things are going to happen. You're either going to go to somebody that's a charlatan and they don't know anything and so they set up a system to trick you and to fool you and to play on your emotions to get your money. That would be the best way. The second way is you're going to go to somebody that has a demon and they're demon possessed and they have a familiar spirit. Let me tell you something about the devil. The devil cannot tell the future. A demon cannot tell the future. But they've been here since creation and they know about your life and they know things about you. Then they can tell this person things about you and then you'll be convinced that they have some kind of supernatural power. Now, let me tell you something real important and real powerful. You don't want to play with the devil. Okay, you don't want to go get your fortune told. You don't want to play with Ouija boards. You don't want to do any of that kind of stuff. Vicky and I, several years ago, were at a Christian camp at a Christian school, and there was a little girl there who was devil-possessed. Oh, come on, Pastor, are you crazy? We were in the lunch line, and I walked by her, and I reached out and touched her, and I didn't know this yet. And when I reached out and touched her, she growled at me like a dog. And I didn't think anything about it. I just thought, you know, it's a girl, you know. Vicky's growled before. I mean, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, now I'm not saying Vicky's got a devil, amen. I'm not saying that at all. But she kind of, she did. She growled at me. Well, later on that night, we had services, and this little girl came up for prayer. And uh, Vicky began to talk to her and began to, to try to pray for her. And she asked her, she said, sweetie, have you been involved in witchcraft? Have you been doing any of that kind of stuff? And she fell on the ground. I'm not lying. She fell on the ground. She began to foam at the mouth, and she began to writhe on the ground like a snake. And I'm praying for somebody else on the other end. And this kid comes down while I'm praying. And he whispers in my ear, Vicky needs your help. And I'm saying, no, I'm staying down here. Well, we went down to the other end where she was. Now, I'm not joking. We literally carried this girl outside the service. There were garage doors on the side of the building, and they were open for airflow. And we took her around outside on the ground. We prayed for her in the name of Jesus, be set free. Spirit come out of her, and she was delivered instantly. Now, she wasn't delivered because I'm a preacher. She wasn't delivered because I'm better than anybody else. She was delivered because we use the name of Jesus, the same 
same name of Jesus you have. Listen, I'm not going to lie and say maybe I wasn't afraid or that I wasn't thinking, oh my gosh, what is this? But she was delivered. And here's why am I telling you this story? Because you don't want to mess around with the devil. You don't want to play games with the devil. He doesn't have any mercy. And adults, most of you, I know you're thinking, well, why are you telling us this? Well, if you're a teenager or a young person in this room, primarily I want you to understand you don't want to do that. Whether you're with friends or you're at a party or you're in college, if anybody's involved in that, you want to get out of there. Paul turns around. He's irritated. He points at this girl and he points and he tells the devil, come out, and it does. And when it comes out, her owners realize now that she's free, she can't tell fortunes anymore. She doesn't have that familiar spirit anymore. Instead of them coming up and saying, hey, thank you for helping that girl. We're so grateful you set her free. It's so amazing that you're here. No, no, they were mad. They drug them into the court. They drug them into an open area, and they flogged them. They ripped their clothes off, and they used, it was like wooden poles, like a little dowel rod, and they whipped them. They gave them stripes. Now, the Romans, they would whip you to death. They would literally whip you to death. But they didn't whip them to death, but they whipped them until their flesh was broken and they were cut and they were bruised and they were bleeding. And then it says they took them and put them in jail. All for helping somebody. Are you with me? All for helping somebody. And they tell the jailer, put these guys in jail. And the scripture says that they were put in the inner prison. Now, I could spend all the rest of my time talking about a Roman prison, but I don't want to. It was dark. It was dirty. There was open sewage. It stunk. It was horrible. It was vile. You wouldn't want you, Have you ever been in an outhouse on a hot summer day? Yeah, you ever been to a concert or somewhere and you have to go to the restroom? You know, I mean, uh, Miss Vicky will drive 50 miles out of the way to find a good bathroom. You know, anytime we're driving and there's construction work and you see those outhouses out on the side of the road, and I always jokingly tell Miss Vicky, you need to go to the restroom? We can stop right here and you can use the restroom here. Okay, if you've ever been in one of those, that's what a Roman prison smelled like. They put them in the darkest, deepest part of the prison and they put their feet in stocks. They cast the devil out of a girl. They're dragged into the court square. They're whipped and they're thrown in prison. And they've been in prison all evening and all night. And now it's midnight. It's midnight. And what do they do? They pray and they praise God. They pray and they sing hymns. They sing and they praise and they worship God. And it says the other prisoners were listening. Now, listen to me. It's pitch dark in that prison. Okay, there's no lights in that prison. There's no electricity. It's dark in there. You probably couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And they're worshiping God. And there were stone walls, and their voices are being carried throughout the prison. And everybody's sitting in that darkness. And they're listening to these guys who've been unjustly beaten and unjustly put in jail. And they're singing praises to God. Now, listen to me very carefully. Okay, this, isn't there, this is in there for a reason, and the reason is for you and I. Listen, when something happens in your life and you're at your midnight hour, you're at your darkest hour, how about instead of complaining, how about instead of griping, which is so easy to do, you begin to worship God and thank God. Not for the situation, not that they were beat. None of that was God's will. That was the devil's will, but they began to worship God. And as they worship God, there's an earthquake, 
And it says the prison is shaken at its very foundation. And all the doors burst open. And all the chains fall off of them in the whole prison. Isn't that cool? Paul and Silas aren't the only ones delivered. Everybody in there is delivered. Everybody around them is delivered. They're not the only ones delivered. And it says that the jailer calls for a light, draws his sword, and is going to commit suicide. Because you know what he knows? If these guys get out of here, they'll kill me, so I might as well just go ahead and get it done. And Paul says, don't take your life. We're all still here. It's dark. He can't tell. We're still here. He goes into their cell, and it says he falls down in fear and trembling. Now, think about it for a minute. This guy's a Roman guard. He's a Roman prison keeper. Now, listen, this guy's probably harder than anybody you and I've ever met or ever known. He was a killer. He wasn't afraid to kill people. He was hard. He was brutal. But in an instant, when Paul and Silas are delivered, the Spirit of God touches his heart. Listen to me. When you get delivered and you get set free, God touches the hearts of your family and your friends because we're supposed to be taking this into our world and it's not anything you have to make happen. He makes it happen. And here's what he says to him. He says, what must I do to be saved? I believe that's the most important question in the Bible. It's the most important question in the Bible. What must I do to be saved? The title of my message this morning is Being Right with God. And as I look across this room, the majority of you know Christ as your Savior. And I know you do. And you're in church because you know Christ and because you're hungry for God and you want something for God. But I'm going something somewhere with this in the next couple of weeks. So I want to pour some concrete this morning. What must I do to be saved? The word saved there is the Greek word sozo, S-O-Z-O, okay? And here's what it means. This is going to bless you. It means to be rescued from the penalty of your sin, for the judgment of your sin, for the judgment of God in your life, to be rescued. I read the other day that... Uh, but when you die, it's too late, and you'll stand before God in court and be judged for your sin, but you have an opportunity to settle out of court, which means before you die, okay? And this person says in this that I read, hey, make sure right now you settle out of court. Make sure you go to God. Make sure you receive Christ as your Savior. Make sure you're saved. Make sure sozo is a part of your life, that you've been delivered, you've been rescued from your own sin, he says, what must I do to be saved? Romans 10, 9 is the same word. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ is raised from the dead, you'll be saved. It's the same word. It's the same Greek word, the word sozo. In Romans, it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ is raised from the dead, you're saved. The penalty for your sin is paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. This jailer comes and says, what must I do to be saved? And here's how Paul answers that question. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord 
Jesus Christ. I, I, I love this. I just, I know you do too. Again, I think it's the most important question ever asked in the Bible, and I believe it's the most important question you'll ever ask. It's the most important question your loved ones and the people you work with will ever ask. What must I do to be saved? Paul says it's very simple, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. Vicki and I have been praying for 45 years for her dad. He's part of our household. He will be saved. He will not go into eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ. He will be saved. That verse right there. Listen, some of you here this morning need that promise. Some of you have loved ones. Some of you have family. Some of you have friends. And you've prayed for them and you've witnessed to them. Listen, we've witnessed to Vicky's dad so many times that when we go and see him, it's like, you know, you almost just don't want to stir the pot. You almost, you don't want to upset him. And when we saw him this last time, he's 92 years old and he looks like a 92-year-old man. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to leave here and not ask him to invite Christ into his life. And so I asked him, and he wasn't angry or rude or hateful, but he will be saved. The jailer takes him out of the jail, and he takes him to his house, and he washes their wounds. He fixes them a meal, and the Scripture says that his household received Christ and they were all baptized. The last in that verse, let me read it to you. It says, he set food before them. He rejoiced having believed in God. Now, this is the jailer. Having rejoiced believing with God, with him and all his household. In the old covenant, when you knew God, you were circumcised physically. In the New Testament, when you know God, you're water baptized. That's the mark. See, the mark of the old covenant was circumcision. The mark of the new covenant is baptism. And around here, every June, we take the whole month of June and we do water baptisms. And that's just around the corner, if you can believe it. And we're going to do water baptisms again in June. And if you haven't been water baptized, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you need to be water baptized. You don't get saved by baptism. Water doesn't save you. Blood saves you. The blood of Jesus Christ. The jailer said, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what he did? He said, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He was saved. Then he took that home to his family. His family heard the gospel and they believed and they were all water baptized. Listen to me. And their lives were transformed. You know, that's what I love about Ground Zero and Power Kids. Listen, when you reach a teenager, they go home and they tell somebody. Hey, I invited Jesus into my life tonight. They go home and they talk to a mom or a dad or a stepbrother or a stepdad or a stepmom. They take home the gospel and we've seen households change. The same thing happens with a man. Listen, when you reach a man for the gospel of Christ and he gets saved, you reach a line of people behind him. You reach his family. He goes home and tells his wife. He goes home and tells his children. It's the same when you reach a mother. She goes home and tells her family. What must I do to be saved? Listen to me. You need to make sure this morning you're right with God. 
once and for all, you need to make sure. And I know, and as I look across this room, I know you're right with God. I know you've invited Christ into your life, and you don't have to do it again. I'm not asking you to do it again. I just want you to settle in your heart. See, it's settled in my heart. I know I'm a Christian. I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. I know heaven is my home. And I know that the majority of you in this room think that too. And if it's not settled in your heart, I want you to settle it in your heart this morning. If you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're right with God. God loves you. He's your Father. He cares about you. He's not angry with you. He's not trying to hurt you, trick you, or trip you up. You are right with Him once and for all times time right into eternity. Amen? So you make sure this morning, as you walk out of this place, you settle it in your heart just like the jailer. I love that. What must I do? That's the question everybody's asking. What must I do? What do I need to do? All you need to do is believe. You see, God did the work. You and I do the believing. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. And Lord Jesus, I believe on you. I believe you did that for me. I believe you're my Savior, and I'm right with God. He took it home to his household, and they were all transformed and changed. Now, the Bible doesn't say anything else about this. It ends right here, and I'm so curious. Vicki and I were talking about it earlier. I can't wait to get to heaven because I want to look up the jailer. I want to talk to him. Yeah, can you imagine what it's going to be like in heaven? Vicki and I have been talking about it lately. What's it going to be like? Oh, I'm the, I'm the jailer. I'm the, I'm the Roman jailer that was there when Paul and Silas were set free. I want to have coffee with that guy. Now, y'all know there'll be coffee in heaven. Amen? Amen. And there's no coffee in hell, okay? But there's coffee in heaven. Amen? But I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to meet those people? What's it going to be like to meet Mary? What's it going to be like to talk to Joseph? Can you imagine what it's going to be like when we see those people? What's it going to be like to talk to Noah? What's it going to be like to talk to Adam and Eve, the first two people? What will it be like? Hey, Adam, what was it like? Wow, and talk to the jailer. Hey, after your whole family got saved, what happened? See, I want to know what happened. I want the rest of the story. All right, your whole family got saved. Did you go back to work? I mean, what happened after that? I want to know what happened. It says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and your household. Would you let me pray for you this morning? Father God, I want to thank you for the gospel. Father, I want to thank you for believing in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Lord, if there happens to be anybody in this room this morning that doesn't know you, Jesus, that they would take a moment right where they're seated and they would believe on the Lord Jesus. They would welcome you into their life just like the jailer did. Lord, would you help us to take the gospel to our family? Would you help us to take the gospel to our households? Lord, it's so good to know that we're right with you. We're right with God. We've settled that. You settled it once and for all. Father, I thank you that you strengthen us, you encourage us, and you refresh us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Hey, would you all stand up, please?